0: Michelle Pajada is a phony, Justin Gaethje KO'd Cerrone. With the fight elections and the fight reflections, this is fighting with Myself, oh oh oh, Fightin with Myself, oh 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 yeah. What is up, guys and gals? We have got a lot to cover. Had these uh, amazing fights last night in Vancouver. The Grey White North, as some may call it. Or if you're uh, a raging sweet potato, you might say the Northern Wilds of Kennedy. Oh man, love that guy. Dude, these fights were amazing. So we're going to recap these fights. There's a few matchups and a couple of little news tidbits that I want to cover. And then, of course, everyone's favorite segment. We're getting into the forum. And then we're going to preview UFC Mexico City. Or some people have been dubbing it UFC Mexico Shitty. I don't agree with that necessarily. But it's funny. I will not let the truth get in the way of a good joke. You know what I mean? All right, welcome to the Fighting With Myself podcast, the podcast for the average MMA fan, hosted by the above average man. And I am that man. My name is Juice. Now, before we uh, recap UFC Vancouver, I wanted to tell, uh, just to have a quick little anecdote here and tell a quick story. Uh, first off, I do want to say that... Um, you know i've noticed that other countries are more nationalistic than america when it comes to combat sports like when it comes to a, like if you're in brazil and a brazilian is fighting pretty much anyone else they'll go for the brazilian regardless and it's not always the case here um i don't I, can, I can't speak to if you know canadians are that way you know, certainly they like to support their own. I noticed that, you know, last night when it comes to, like, Kyle Prepelec and Tristan Connolly for sure, you know, shout out to that guy, big Tristan Connolly fan now. Like, I don't care, okay, I'm, I'm on that bandwagon. Um, but, you know, when it comes to um, with the U.S., we're oftentimes very, like, like by a state instead of by the nation. Um, and... I wanted to kind of make an effort to unify that a little bit, you know, and uh, we gotta support our, our our homegrown boys, you know, and, and girls, of course. Um, but I wanted I wanted to say it's relevant because right now I'm wearing a Dustin Poirier paid in full shirt, and um, I feel like I'm an honorary Louisianian. And um, I say that because, um, you know, obviously I was showing massive support for Dustin Poirier leading up to his fight with Khabib. And uh, you know, someone um saw that, reached out and they said, Hey, you know you know, I've done some and they wanted to remain anonymous, otherwise I'd give them a huge shout out, of course. You know, and they and they know who they are. So this this shout out is for you, absolutely. Um but you know, they want to remain anonymous and so they, they sent me this shirt um to show my support for, for Louisiana and I'm just so fucking like emotional but not emotional but like so awesome that they would do that number one and and number two just like looking at it i'm i i feel like i i by supporting that i'm also you know it's america you know what i mean i feel like that wasn't as um intelligent as i wanted to sound and, and i say that also because when i first started this podcast i and i found out i could check on my analytics and break down You know what states are listening to my podcast? I didn't see any from Louisiana, and I saw there was some um, some really cool Twitter accounts from Louisiana, uh, like Sandy and Struggleface Tom. And I was like, and I sent this tweet out once, and I was like, "Hello Louisiana, where's the love?" And then my man Cole Henry commented, "He's like, I'm from Louisiana, I'll listen to your podcast." And dude, since then, and I've been listening to his. Co- glad to call him uh, a colleague, uh, you know, and his, um, his co-host, Pat. Love those fucking guys at the MMA Scope Podcast. You should go check it out. And, um, you know, every every, uh, every week I listen to their podcast, I feel like um, I'm in the bayou, you know, like not literally, and I'm sure that's very fucking ignorant of me for having not ever been there. But I mean, you know, it, it's got that feel. And uh, anyways, I feel like I'm um, an honorary Louisianian right now, so... Uh, thank you so much for sending me the shirt. You know who you are, and uh, let's get cracking. So these fights, man, this was one of my one of the better fight nights in recent memory. Uh, I think it was a little bit of a slow start, but once um, Louis Smolka dropped that fucking corny Nebraskan kid, I, I say that <laughs> as I had that whole spiel about supporting your own, but Hawaii is part of America as well. Louis Smolka is Hawaiian, so so I can I can say that, but Dude, th- that guy could not have been more from Nebraska. And then and Lewis Smolka comes out, drops him with that nasty left hook. Some people were calling it an early stoppage. And I just want to say, like, I mean, you guys know this, but for anyone just listening, you know, I am I always prefer an early stoppage to a late stoppage. I mean, ideally, you want to ride on time stoppage, I guess. Like, maybe he could have landed. And I was thinking about that, too. Cause people were saying early stoppage, and then I, I watched it back. And really, if he had landed like one or two more, which he could have done very easily, I think that guy was pretty much out. Uh, the ref would have stopped it instantly, or, or should have. Uh, obviously, he stopped it early, so or you know, quote unquote early. You know, if you're one of those people, and wh- why take those extra two shots? You already fucking were out. He was rocked from the uh, from the straight right earlier, and then that that left hook just put him on his ass. I think stopped the fight. So for me, it was it was totally fine, and then after that, the 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 fights just seemed to to get better. That Chaz Skelly, um, Griffin fight was awesome, and Brad Katona, my man, and I and I've said this before in the podcast. Like when it's a close fight, I hate the word robbery. People say, "Oh, he was robbed," and there was there's a lot of talk about that. And I like, I was shocked when they read the scorecards. Like I thought that was an absolute win for Brad Catona, but there are plenty of people telling me I was wrong. And so I was like, well, I mean, and I, and I watched that one back too. And I started to think, yeah, I guess this is another one of those situations where, you know, I think uh, when I think of a close fight being called a robbery, I think of like Luke A. Perry, uh, Barbosa Felder, and recent memory. Um, this was like not that kind of a barn burner, but just Brad Catone just seemed like he was dominating most of that fight. It seemed like the judges were giving points for defense, like, i don't think that's how mma really works or should work anyway, with regards to the judging uh was um putting on him he was controlling the fight he was absolutely in control of that fight i say that and um there's another fight later and i was talking about this with phil too uh the mma dude shout out to that guy he's fucking awesome him and the fight geek Put on an awesome podcast for us every week. It's called the Split po- Split Decision Podcast. You know that if you listen to this podcast. Um, it was saying how, it's interesting. Like I didn't think that call between Uriah Hall and Antonio Carlos Junior was um, an egregious scorecard. I thought if you gave it to Uriah Hall, I thought that was pretty, you know, fine because he was piecing Antonio Carlos Junior up. But I and then. But then after him and I were talking, I was like, "Well, I guess if I gave it to Brad Katona earlier, I should be giving it to Shoeface as well." And, and, and don't get me wrong, like I picked Shoeface, um, but I did think Uriah Hall won, um, at least at least immediately after. So it just goes to show, I guess, like <laughs> if you're doing hella damage like that, uh, it's gonna sway the judges and you know myself included. But that was that was good to see, man. I love that um, Uriah Hall fight. Uh, with Antonio Carlos Jr., it was not, uh, you know, had just the right amount of grappling, and uh, Uriah Hall's, you know, submission defense was on point, and he was fucking up um, Antonio Carlos Jr. for sure. And when they were, when he was in the corner, and they were telling him not to blow his nose, I was like, oh man, his nose is fucking broke, and I hope that he ha- can speak enough English to. Uh, uh, understand not to fucking blow his nose. So I was worried I was worried for him slightly, but uh their um show of respect and um just just the 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 love they share with each other in, in the post fight interview when he was like basically including Antonio Carlos Jr. in his interview, saying it's hard to punch your friend, uh this is a hard fight for me and uh, you know, I think Uriah Hall in the wing column is good for the UFC. He's an exciting fighter, regardless of if he is sometimes disappointing. But uh, got a nice win and I was really happy for him. Before that I kinda jumped ahead because I was talking about the Brackatona decision and I wanted to sort of link those. But before that, um old man Misha I say old man, but he's not really that old, but um good old Misha Sirkinoff put it on Jimmy Crute. Holy God. And um we're gonna we're gonna get to this a little bit later with um with a, in in the forum but um Jimmy Crew was winning, like, at least half of that fight going up. Like, if they had ended that round, I, I would not sure, who, you know, who who to gave it to. That wasn't English, but that's fine. Uh, but Misha had a nice uh, sweep from from the bottom. And when they, when they showed him in slow-mo and DC broke it down, I was like, man, he was getting fucking just – he was eating big shots and just like, nope, I'm still working for this sweep. I'm still working for this sweep. And he got – I want to say it was like an x card sweep or – you know, I'm very ignorant when it comes to that, so I, I shouldn't even fucking have said that. But um, that Peruvian necktie was legit. And when uh, he was covering his mouth as well, still so gangster, you didn't need to do that. He was going to tap anyway because the choke was untied, but he, that, that's nice. That was a nice touch. And uh, and But he fucking wasted his call-out. First of all, pisses me off when guys are, like, sort of higher up in the division, they get called out by someone either not in the rankings or farther down the rankings. They either ignore them or they turn them down, and then when the tables have turned and they're sliding down, they just say, oh, yeah, well, that guy called me out, so let's run that back. Dude, fuck you. You had your chance. Uh He calls out Corey Anderson, who, of course, uh Corey called him out, you know, prior when, when Misha was ranked above him, and now Misha's like... Barely holding on to that top 15 spot. And Corey Anderson's, I believe, in the top five. And he's like, yeah, let's run it back, Corey Anderson. Bro, he's booked already. And he's booked against the guy who KO'd you in 30 seconds. Who can likely win that fight as well. I mean, I don't, I'm kind of on the fence as to who, who I should pick for that fight. But, dude, don't call out a guy who's already booked against a guy who knocked you out. What are you, insane? Jesus, that's my rant on Misha Serkinov. And I like Misha Serkinov, dude. Like, when he submitted Nikita Krylov, uh, this is, like, going back, I think, a couple years ago, I was like, he's going to fucking be a one to watch. He basically kicked <laughs> Krylov out of the UFC, which is a shame, as we saw later on tonight. That was a hell of a performance. Um, but overall, um, the hand-raising was cool, too. Um, so Some people didn't like it because it's sort of demoralizing, but Jim initiated it. Jim raised up Misha's hand It's sort of like... Uh, Credit to you, you beat me, you know, you, the better man won tonight kind of thing, which was awesome. They did a little too much. It was a bit like the fifth round of uh, Yair Rodriguez and Korean Zombie. It's like, we get it, dude. You hugged already like twice. Uh, just finished the fight. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I loved it. And oh my God. We fucking get to the crazy fight of the night, which is, and in one fight of the night, Michelle Pajera versus Tristan Connolly. Now it's supposed to be um uh, a poor bastard by the name of Sergei Kandosko. Um got injured. And so they grabbed this guy, Tristan Connolly, was apparently the number one Canadian lightweight. Someone was telling me that on Twitter. Um and they got him on short notice to fight at 170. And Michelle Pajera is a big ass dude. Um he missed weight, but he missed weight by one pound. Um you know when he was doing all the dancing there, so like, "Where was that energy on the scale?" Which is kind of fucked up, um, but it is what it is. I mean, you shouldn't make weight, dude. When you miss weight, you open yourself up to all that kind of criticism. So absolutely, and then I think that's what made it worse too. Is the 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 way in which he lost, like if you're doing all that spinning shit, uh, not just spinning shit, but flippy shit, and 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 you missed weight, you know people are gonna shit all over you uh, if you lose. But so I and I, tw- I tweeted this out, and people were roasting me, rightly so, after the fact, uh, because I tweeted out that uh, I was like, "Here goes Michelle Pajera versus a sacrificial lamb." And granted, I didn't know much about the guy, obviously, but he's coming in also on short notice against a much bigger guy. Of course, I'm going to uh, pick Michelle Pajera, but uh, he weathered that uh, first round, arguably won it. Um, you know, I thought the first one was a very close round, and then he just took over from there. Pajera gassed. And it was all Connolly. But, uh, Paheta wasn't going down easily. I mean, obviously, you want know, one decision he didn't get finished, but I thought he's, st- even in a loss, he still gave a pretty good account of himself. So, um, you know, I think it was G or someone tweeted out that was like, uh, you know, all the same, the same people that were getting hyped for this flippy shit are going to be roasting him, even though they were riding his dick. And that's absolutely true, dude. Um, and I kind of hate when people generalize when it comes to, um, uh, when when they make statements like, Oh, the same people saying this are now saying this. Uh it's not everyone, you know. We don't all think the fucking same here. We're not a herd of cattle, but uh there are some truths to that, you know, beneath the service. And uh Tristan Connolly, I think he looks good at 170. Why why cut the extra weight? You just beat the brakes off of this guy who could maybe even fucking fight at uh middleweight or two oh five. And uh like how in the how in God's name does he make one seventy? So like when he missed weight, I'm like, of course he missed weight. He's two hundred plus pounds. Um But uh yeah, when I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Um you got a fan in me, brother. Tristan Connolly is the shit. And then the fucking weirdness uh happened, which is Todd Duffy and Jeff Hughes now, Todd Duffy was beating the brakes off Jeff Hughes. not there I mean Jeff Hughes may have rocked Todd Duffy briefly for a moment as well and kind of uh you know was it was a little bit back and forth, but Todd Duffy was for the most part controlling that fight he was he was even getting takedowns dude this guy it just comes in like kill or be killed and you know knocks someone out in seven seconds or gets knocked out in in a fucking one round. He was showing, like, years of improvement. I kind of remember me of, like, Nate Diaz a little bit, because, like, when has Nate Diaz ever shot for a takedown? And he did that against Pettis. And uh, both were off of, like, a, you know, three-year-plus layoff. So that was just kind of interesting to me. But um, the eye poke happened, and there were some people saying that it looks like maybe just his thumb was, like, pressed into the cut above uh, Duffy's eye. It may or may not have been. Uh, either way, he said he was seeing double. And a lot of people were saying, oh, he wanted out of that fight. And I think there's at least one question about this in the forum. So um, I, sh- I should sort of reserve my full thoughts. But why why do you want out of a fight you're winning? So I got to take him at his word. And they, and they called it a no contest, which I think is, is the right call. I don't know if they're going to run that one back. It's just kind of like a random heavyweight fight that's not really for, for anything rankings-wise. So but uh Todd Duffy is an uh, exciting fighter. I think I don't think either of these guys are like taking a step back. You know, they're gonna give Jeff Hughes another fight. They should give Todd Duffy another fight. But my God, Nikita Krylov and Glover Teixeira Holy shit, dude. I picked Nikita, so and by the way. I didn't already say it, but I I only got the main event right because we're fucking off. Unless you get the fact that you know it was a change of opponent for Michelle Pajeda, but I still picked Pajeda, so it kind of doesn't matter. And then the no contest kind of like counts as like a wash, I guess. But uh, fuck, man, Glover Teixeira and Nikita Krylov. I I was just absolutely into every second of that fight. There was moments in every round where they were close to a finish. I mean, it just shows... Like, Nikita Krylov, I think it was in, what, 31 fights? He's never gone the distance. He either finishes or gets finished. And he's only been to the third round a couple of times. Well, old man Teixeira took him to, all the way to the final bell, dude. And, uh... Credit to him, man. Credit to Glover Teixeira. Talk about a, a gatekeeper. You know, there's a couple questions about that. And... um you know, so obviously we're going to get to that, but where where does Glover Teixeira go from here, really? You know, mm-hmm. he's not going to get another crack at the belt, probably. You know, who wants to see Glover Teixeira versus Jon Jones, too? I actually wouldn't mind seeing that. Particularly, it would give Teixeira a big ass payday, and he's one of those guys that's been around a long time and deserves that kind of money. He's getting it. The reported payouts were were climbing up. I don't always follow those because it's a little bit depressing, but uh, uh, my boys at the MMA Marks do a good job. Uh, Ricky and Buddy, uh, shout out to you guys. Um, they, they like to follow that stuff, especially Ricky. Buddy's just like, all right, cool. Um, but uh, moving on to the main event, man, I was expecting a war, and I predicted Gaethje, and I did predict he was going to finish Cerrone, Um but I, I, I believe I predicted it in, like, the fourth round, maybe the third. But I, I just really thought it was just going to be down to, like, Gaethje's pressure. And this new patient Gaethje was uh, was interesting because even DC said it on the mic. He was like, so, so Rony doesn't like pressure. Bring back the old Gaethje. Come on. But it uh, shows that he still has power, you know. He got Cowboy's timing and it landed that nasty overhand right. And that was another one where people were saying might might have been an early stoppage. Not in my book, man. He was out. And again, I mean, Cowboy has taken a lot of damage you know, in I think that matters. I think as a ref, you know, you kind of have to take and they and they say this in, in their training like Herb Dean when he trains refs. It it's all what you see in the moment. You can't be, you know, influenced by their weight cut or anything that you heard about their camp injury-wise or whatever. But, dude, they do also say that, you know, if certain fighters are known for their toughness to escape certain things, that they'll give more credit to them with certain cases. And that has to count for damage as well. You have to to take into account the amount of damage a guy has taken. Sirona even said on Rogan's podcast a long time ago when he was talking about how he doesn't spar... He was like, it's well, it's about a you know, it's like when you go into a Walmart and they're they're clicking the, the little tally to see how many people are in and out. What if that's clicks to my head? Like, how how fucking many? Like what's the limit? I don't know. Didn't want to go off on a tangent on CTE here, but um yeah, I I liked it. And even Gaethje looking at the ref like, hey man, he's out, bro. Uh I think he had to land like one more before he stepped in. But um all in all, it was a great night of fights. And I had fun. I had fun. And I and I think Canada always delivers. They don't always have the biggest names there, but man, Canadian MMA fans and like, I was talking about. I was thinking about this when Brad Katona, you know, in his little like um, the B roll packages they play before the walkouts. When he was like, "I want to show the world that Canadian MMA is uh, is still still going strong," or whatever he said. And I was I was wondering like what that means, specifically in his case because you are Canadian but you train in Dublin at Straight Plus Gym, so isn't that more of a if you win isn't that more of a credit to your team is that more of a credit to Dublin MMA or is it just the fact that you came from Canada you're a product of Canadian MMA because I I, w- I would tend to think it's the former I think it's more a credit to SPG, but maybe it's both. Let me know what you guys think. Well, anyways, I had fun. Um, keep keep the questions coming. You guys are awesome with that. And uh, without further ado, let's take a quick break and we'll go over some current events. All right. First on tap, Nick Newell getting a multi-fight deal from Bellator. You're welcome. Obviously, Scott Coker listens to the show. My influence is reaching far and wide. No, seriously, this is the right call, and they knew it. Um, I don't think there was really a doubt in anyone's mind that he wouldn't get a multi-fight deal um, as long as he won. And I think they just gave him the one-fight deal to kind of test the waters. And um, he passed with fine colors. So, really happy for him. And, and Nick Newell said before the fight that he's, you know, loyal to anyone who supports him. So, he really wanted to show his support for Bellator in that regard. And so, I think it's absolutely the right call. And there's there's a lot of fun matchups for him over there. Uh, Bellator's got a pretty good lightweight division. Although, I was, I was thinking this when I listened to Split Decision Podcast a few weeks ago. And I feel like I talk about them a lot. But... Uh, this is, you know, recapping his win. And, you know, they were asking who who he could beat in that uh, top tier. And I think it was Phil that said, well, he's not beating Michael Chandler. And I was like, shit, he's right. But that doesn't mean we don't go there. You know, I think more than anything, Noel wants to be treated like any other fighter. You know, with the kind of record he has and the skills that he has. He's a you know Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. He He can get those kind of matchups. You know, maybe not him, but maybe Gautiyamuuchi, you know. So let's see it. Anyway, I'm looking forward to to see what they'll do with him. You know, Bellator is, I think, just as good a promoter as the UFC in terms of, you know, building stars, you know, maybe even more so with the ones they want to win, giving them, let's say, more favorable matchups, you know. And that's that's always, like, something I'm torn on because, you know, you still got to win them, you know, and anything can happen in MMA, so... There's not really any, like, gimme fights, but you can give someone, you know, those exist. All right, here's where it gets a little bit tragic. Zabit versus Calvin Cater is off the table. Why can't we have nice things? Why can't this fucking Dagestan Lincoln not get injured? I need your ass. To fucking rehab properly. I need you to rebook this fight. For maybe the Washington D.C. card. And that's it dude. My hands are tied now. My hands are tied. That's all I can say. We need this fight. I need to see that that kid from Boston. Fucking put it on Zabit. Just like I saw Kyle Bakniak, Just like. Fucking Jeremy Stevens was close to doing... There's an argument that Jeremy Stevens won that fight, by the way. Not saying I'm in that camp necessarily. By the way, I actually like to be, but um, I do like uh, Calvin Cater's chances in that fight a lot. And I think it would have been a nice showcase fight for either of them, really. Because you know, people know who Calvin Cater is already. You know, that Shane Burgos knockout, the fucking Ricardo Lamas knockout. Like, he's... He's making waves in that uh, featherweight division, so these guys are on a sort of a trajectory, and, and I feel like this needs to happen. Don't don't give me these injuries, Zabit. I don't want to hear it. I'm, I'm so much more um, sympathetic with other fighters, I think. But I think just because we put Zabit on this this pedestal and uh, he hasn't fought in a while, that I'm like, God damn it, get your fucking Lincoln ass to the cage. But that's all I have to say on that. I was just, I saw that and my fucking heart dropped. I was like, no, I wanted to see this fight. I mean, maybe they'll rebook it for MSG and I can watch it live. I mean, that'll be something, right? Speaking of MSG, so terrible. Wonder Boy versus Vicente Luque was just made for UFC 244. That's something to get excited about. And uh, I think Wonder Boy was like, probably just like, sitting at home fucking teaching kids karate um rehabbing that brain injury that pettis gave him and uh then a lot of people call out wonder boy at least in, like recently and i think especially after a loss they're like oh that's not that's that's poor taste but vicente luke was like fuck it i want wonder boy and i think wonder boy heard that and was like yes yes finally someone's saying my name please and he was like texting sean selby like give me that fight because uh, it feel like this was made pretty quickly And uh, that brings me to my next piece of news. This kind of came out of nowhere. Jan Bojewicz versus Jacare Souza is going to headline UFC Style Palo November 16th, which is my sister's birthday. And I was thinking about this when I read that date. I was like, dude, my family's birthdays are always scheduled for five nights, it seems like. Uh, I mean it's bound to happen You know, the UFC puts on a show damn near every weekend And eventually the is gonna fall on the weekend But my fucking, last year My mom's birthday Was on, uh, Conor versus Khabib And it was only Like, fight week That I realized that That's how fucking entrenched we are in MMA That my mom's birthday Was less important than Connor Habib Khabib In my subconscious anyway Um, uh, but dude, um uh, I'm I'm into this. It seems like uh anytime a middleweight gets a a bad loss, they're like fuck it, let's go to 205. It seems like the the thing that's like in, you know what I mean? But Jacare is one of those guys that I've wanted to see move up in weight for a while. He just seems like a big 85er, and I think his skills would translate well to 205 uh, cuz he he's a strong ass dude and 205 is lacking in grappling talent, I believe. Uh, and I think Jack, Jacare can capitalize on that. Dude, who wouldn't want to see Ray versus Glover Teixeira? I mean, it's a little bit quick, um, you know. But I personally love Brazilian on Brazilian violence. <laughs> I can't get enough. I was saying earlier how, like, uh, you know, Brazilians are very nationalistic, and, like, other countries as well, they like to support their own. Like, feels like um, any British fighter not named Leon Edwards, like, British people are cheering for them, <laughs> which sucks if you're Leon Scott. I mean Edwards. Um, but when it comes to, like, two, two Americans fighting, like, Americans fight each other all the time, but Brazilians are like, no, I don't want to fight another Brazilian. But, dude, you have to. Just do it. But that that's a matchup I'm excited for anyway, because uh Jan Bahowitz I feel like was about to get rushed into that fight with John Jones. And don't get me wrong, no amount of preparation is gonna get him ready to to win that fight. Uh I just think, you know, he was only on like a like a one fight winning streak. Um and yes, if Luke had beat him, they probably would have given him the fight. And so I, I kinda like when it matters for both guys. But uh he he was also like he hasn't put enough wins together in my opinion to be to getting that title fight right away. So I like this. If you beat Jacare, Jacare is a name. You know he's been around the block. You know he's a guy that people have gotten title shots off of a win. You know Robert Whitaker, Kelvin Gaslam, I feel like um so so plenty of people can um can get a, a title shot after a win um, over Jacare. And likewise, if Jacare beats Jan, he's a guy that just KO'd Luke Rockhold. You know, Luke Luke has a win over Jacare, so it's kind of like, in in a in a way, getting that one back. So I like it. I love everything about it. And that's it for uh, current events, babies. That's it. It was only uh, we're at eight and a half minutes for this segment, and uh, that's how I like to keep it now, short and sweet, because we all know what really matters. It's the forum. So where y'all sending your questions. You know, usually via voice, that's the best way. You know, A lot of people don't want to put their voice out there for people to hear it, and that's fine. But you know what makes the show better. Um, anyways, uh, let's get right into the forum. Ba-ba-da-ba, the forum. All right. This is my favorite part of the show, and uh, let's just get right into it. We've got my man, uh, Sorority Nose Blow, kicking things off right.
1: Yo, 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 Juice, it's Roni coming back at you, man, uh, driving around, listening to the podcast, another great episode, as always, brother, keep that shit up, keep doing your thing, um, fucking hey, I I don't know which way to go here, I hope it's this way, anyway, we talking about the baddest motherfucker, Punk brought it up, man, first off, I want to say, you listening to this podcast, you are the baddest motherfucker. I don't care what anyone says, even you, Pam. Gang, just go ahead and throw me on your shit list. But while we talking about it, man, it's East Coast versus West Coast gangsta shit, baby. So East Coast versus West Coast gangsta rap. Tupac and Biggie, man. Which one's your favorite? And what's your favorite song from both of them? Everyone out there, have a great day. Keep your shit up. And uh, be a fucking badass. Deuces.
0: Oh, man, I love this question so much. First off, he titled it, Don't Worry, I Made the Right Turn. You could tell he was fucking driving. Uh, (laughs) First off, listen to this podcast while you drive. I love to keep people company, but for sure don't send a voice question while you drive. That's just dangerous. Um, However, uh, thank you for the question. And, dude, I was never, and I have never been a, a person that, has to choose between um you know like two artists that are feuding for some reason I don't feel like you have to make a choice I mean this is more than just a feud I mean this is fucking heavy shit they both died but uh you know especially because the east coast versus west coast not yeah not even just like two specific people just like whole group like I remember uh in sitting in class one time and i was talking about like uh rap with this one guy and I, I mentioned an artist i can't even remember what he was like no that's east coast fuck that we only west coast cuz i was you know going to school in vegas like why the fuck do i have to choose for tupac and biggie are like two of the most influential like rappers of probably all time, but certainly of their time. And like, why if they're the two biggest and most influential, why do I have to choose? Uh, so I like both of them for sure. And, um, as far as my favorite songs, I like, um, I like hit Him up by Tupac. And that's like, I ain't got no promise. Well, fuck your bitch. Give money. give money. I can't get enough of that song. Um, of course, you know, California love is, is good as well, but, um, that just kind of goes with the whole East coast versus West coast thing. And um, it's gonna sound super, and, I, and like I don't give a fuck about being mainstream or whatever. When it comes to like favorite songs, but like um "Big Papa" from uh, Notorious B.I.G. I just it takes me back to like it's one of those songs that like takes you back to when you first heard it. And uh, there was this movie that came out in like, 2001, I think. I don't know if any, a lot of people saw it, but it was called Hardball with uh, Keanu Reeves, and um, Jesus, I forget his co-star, but it, he's he's really good. Um, but there, there's this part in the in the in the movie where they sing that song, and then like Keanu Reeves fucking being like, "I see some ladies tonight. This should be having my baby." It just, it just makes me smile, and uh, I love that fucking song. It's good as hell. Probably gonna listen to it after I record this podcast. I think this is a little spoiler here. Maybe I'll even use it in an intro. Who knows? Look forward to that. I don't even know when it will be apropos, but, you know, we out here anyways. So not even relevant. All right. Uh, This uh, gentleman is making their debut on the show. Very excited about uh, this guy calling in, and I hope he keeps it up.
2: Hi, man. It's Harry Andrew. Um, I hate seeing Cowboy lose. So every time I watch him get beat, especially in that fashion, it upsets me. Just wondering, what's the worst you felt after seeing one of your favorite fighters lose? Love the show, man. Keep it going. All
0: right, this guy's fucking awesome. First of all, um, he's a fairly new follow to me. Like, follow me, I feel like, just a couple weeks ago. And already, just listen to the podcast. Already, sending in a voice question. He fucking gets it, dude. You follow me, you listen to the podcast. That's it. Uh, and, and by the way, and like, I have a, uh, cause I used to just like follow everyone back right away. And then it got to the point where I'm like, okay, I only want to fill my timeline with MMA stuff. Let's only follow back MMA accounts. And, uh, so I always like, check the bio, something about their name. Like if, if you're tweeting about MMA, I'll follow you back. And this guy in his fucking bio, it literally says just, just this one phrase. And every time I see this phrase, I have to read it in the voice in which it's, it's a movie quote and a book quote. And I always have to fucking read it in my head in the fucking original voice. And it's sunshine daisies, buttermellow, ton mellow turn this stupid fat, right? Yellow. And if you don't know what it's from, uh, fucking look it up. But, uh, I saw, I saw that. I was like, I'm mm, following right away. Did, if you have Harry Potter in your bio mm, following right away, uh, and a great fucking question. So, um, as if I wasn't enough of a fucking anglophile with that little intro, um, the, my answer to this question is going to prove how much fucking more I am. Um uh, was the time that I was the, and I, I've already told the story on the podcast before, but it bears repeating. Um, and it was uh, Brad Pickett versus Marlon Vera. You know, I'll kind of give an abbreviated version of it since, uh, you know, a lot of you guys are loyal listeners and I really appreciate that. But it was, it basically just comes down to, um, Brad Pickett is, was one of my favorite fighters to watch. And uh, him losing pretty badly to Faber in Faber's hometown, being his, you know, what it should have been his retirement fight, then wanting to turn around and do the same thing in his hometown. I was so h- pulling for him so hard to win. I don't think I've wanted anyone to win more. Maybe this Emporia against Khabib, like just now, but bef- before that, I-, I don't think I've ever wanted to win like as badly. And uh, he was beating the piss out of Marlon Vera, I mean, just dominating him. And then Cheeto Vera hit, lands that that sweet head kick, and just it was it was game over. And I literally, and I and I I think I've told this before as well. Like I was watching that on my phone in my car, because I was just coming. I like had to be doing something. I I that I couldn't miss. I had like a a thing I couldn't miss. But I didn't want to fucking miss this fight live. And I was watching it on my phone in traffic, which was so fucking dangerous. And as soon as that head kick landed, I yelled like, no! I I just lost my shit and I started crying. I was like, this is fucking, this is a game over, dude. And, uh, you know, Marlon Vera turning it around in the post-fight interview, um, you know, made me become a fan of his. So that's my moment. And I I totally get that. Um, it's in that you're, you know, not happy for Justin, you're sad for Cowboy, and I absolutely fucking agree, dude, like, when Ma- he fought Masvidal, that was hard, but, uh, the show just came to a screeching halt, all right, uh, let's, uh, liven things up a little bit with my man, Smokey J.
2: Hey there, Juice, fighting with myself, podcast. It's Smokey J here from Australia. Uh, that was pretty fucking intense, main event, man. Fucking Gaethje made Cowboy his bitch from early on in that fight. I didn't really see it going down like that, but he fucking finished him pretty easily. Uh, my question for you this week, though, man, is about Jimmy fucking Crew. He put on a hell of a performance, man. That was an awesome effort until Misha pulled off that fucking exotic Peruvian necktie choke. i uh, I don't think his stock's going to drop all that much from that effort. Like, he did pretty good. It wasn't that bad. Uh, what do you think's next for Jimmy Curry, man? That's all. Bye.
0: Man, I love this. A couple things. And, and I thank you for shouting out the fucking Peruvian necktie and reminding me that I forgot to say in the beginning that that is one of my favorite submissions. And, I, and it really comes down to... Well, two things like one, there's like quite a few setups to it, like like it's like a dars as well, so that if you actually pull it off, it means that you're just have on a fucking another level than the guy like sometimes people can get like caught in a submission, and it's like, oh, well, where did that come from? Tap this is something that like you fucking you're just on another level than them, and the and the second reason is because the first time I saw that submission was fucking Eddie Alvarez doing it on Bully Beatdown against this fucking little m- m- meatball from Brooklyn, and I was like, oh my god, that's my favorite, that's my fucking favorite. Um, so I was happy that Misha got that submission last night, you know, at the, at the weekend. But uh, oh, and y- <laughs> Smokey J, t- saying that. Gay made cowboy his bitch early on reminded me of my fucking video predicting this knockout and Smokey J making his own fucking video doing it like a voice question doing the fucking bong rip saying hey there Juice funny with myself podcast it's Smokey J here saying you're wrong well I'm not wrong for once in my goddamn career uh that's not true what were even talking about? Jimmy Crude his stock gotcha um man I, I agree, and it sucks because it could have been Jimmy Cruz not really coming out party. Um, in in some ways, I think that was the Sam Alvey fight, but really his introduction to the rankings—that's the biggest thing that Misha offered him as an opponent uh, was that top fifteen spot. So, um, if they put Jimmy in the rankings, there's some fucking corruption. Not that they, not that he doesn't deserve it. Like uh, you know, if if anyone else you know wants to give him a shot, you know maybe fourteen or thirteen. You know, like I could see that happening, but he might have to get one more win of a non ranked opponent, which kind of sucks, but uh you know it's undefeated, it's his first loss um I think those things uh age like a fine wine over time, you know, I think uh Jimmy croot maybe gonna go on to someone who ha- maybe you'll have like i don't know four or five losses on their record at the end of their career, and Misha can be like i was I was the first one, you know, one of those kind of things, so uh not at all um unimpressed by jimmy Crute. i'm still I'm still a Jimmy Crute fan. I think uh, Misha's just a tough son of a bitch and uh, grappled the fuck out of him. And there was one, there was one cool moment in that fight that I forgot to bring up, where like um, Misha was kind of turtled up and Jimmy like was trying to get his back, and then somehow they slipped and just reversed. And I was like, "This is the first round? How are they that sweaty that that was just so easy? I like couldn't even believe it." But thank you, Smoky J, for the question. As always. Love those fucking bong rips. Hashtag bad drawings. Keep it coming.
1: Hey, yo. Fighting with myself. What it look like. It's your boy, Pam. <laughs> my father taught me that before he left. That deadbeat son of a bitch. Which brings me to my question. I'm looking for him. I heard he hangs around this podcast sometimes. He goes by the name Genghis. Now I'm just trying to kick his ass, you know. It ain't cool. I mean, I was just like six months old, 57 pounds, and he walked out on me. I don't think that shit's right. You know that song, A Boy Named Sue by Johnny Cash? It's A Boy Named Pam. Looking for my revenge.
0: Somewhere, Genghis is getting that uh, Samuel L. Jackson gift queued up to fucking just go ham on, on Uzi and yet also while he's listening he's doing the fucking Dan Conner laugh my god i when, when when you sent this in Uzi, when when fucking pam sent this in uh i played it like 3 times just to hear the fucking your boy pam <laughs> your boy pam there's not even, there's not even a question in there for me to answer uh which is, I've kind of have a new rule of I'm wanting to just play the ones the question, but that was too damn good not to play. Um, uh, let's keep the positivity going. This is a fucking great uh, question from um, everyone's uh, Twitter dad.
2: Juice, hey, it's your Twitter father, Jim Assun.
3: Question for you about UFC Vancouver. Do you think Duffy was really hurt, or was he just looking for a way out? What do you think? Can't wait to hear responses for him. You're killing it on the podcast, bro. Keep it up. Love you,
0: son. Uh, shouts out to Jim Assoon. Father I wish I had. Man. I See, you can make a case for Todd wanting a way out. You know, in some ways I feel like Todd Duffy can be overhyped. But, uh watching that fight back I don't really see it cuz he was winning and um you know Jeff was having pretty good takedown defense and but there, but there was one moment where I could have sworn Todd, Todd was going to get the finish and Jeff recovered so it wasn't like he had no pathway to success I just I just don't see it I really think he was seeing double. I would love to hear him do an interview about it. I just, I feel like, I feel like there's more of a story there. And if it comes out that he did want a way out, I mean that's terrible. But uh, you know, anyone that um, that goes out there and fights like Todd Duffy does, I don't think they're the kind of person that looks for a way out. That's my personal opinion. But uh, like I said, I I don't, um, I don't, I don't hate people saying that. I just disagree with it. Love you, Jim. You're the fucking man, dude. Every time I see this guy, I feel like he's like partying with teenagers. Not like literal teenagers, but like 20-year-olds and just like fucking, you know, making dinner for his awesome wife and then just fucking blazing it up every day. Living his best fucking life, dude. Goals. That's what Jim is. Goals. All right there, Juice.
1: It's me. From over the sea, it's your boy Joe Blogs, and all I wanted to know was, do you think Pereira should cut out all the dancing to save his gas tank? All right, there, lad. I'll see you later. Boss.
0: Do I think Pereira should cut out the dancing? No. It's what made him a big star? He wouldn't have got a UFC contract if it weren't for them dancing personally. But I do think I, of course I'm going to drop the fucking accent cuz I just can't. I do think he needs to dial it back. We're going to get there's more questions on that. We're going to dissect this fucking dancing, but uh he just needs a better gas tank. That's it. And I think maybe a move to 185 is is uh that would, that would do it. I think he wants to be a 170 so bad because uh middleweights are fucking quicker probably. I mean, I don't know. But uh now if it, now it feels like he's been exposed. Like there's a there's a pathway to success. I mean, he has losses on his record, like it's not like whatever, but on the big stage and you know, he's been on a streak as of late. So, I feel like Tristan Connolly kind of set the blueprint of like how to fucking counter his flips and shit, you know? But good question. We're going to get into more of this, I promise.
4: What's up, Juice? It's your boy. I say, dude, a lot taking a break. Um, I'm outside painting the house today on a Sunday, getting ready to watch my sports ball. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say a word about sportsmanship. These last two weeks, we had Khabib and Dustin, now uh, Justin and Cowboy, and. You know, the level of, like, post-fight uh, sportsmanship has been awesome. You know, it's been lacking in the sport. There used to be, you know, a lot, it feels like a lot more respect. And I don't know, I'm pretty pleased to see it. Um, it's pretty nice. But um, what's next? Probably already discussed it, but what's next for Keiichi? Um, What's up, DM crew? Hope everybody has a good Sunday. Go Lions.
0: Yeah, man. Uh I loved the sportsmanship from these last two main events. I mean, Yechi's saying literally like in the post interview, like I don't want to hurt my friend. Uh that was that was tough. Uriah Hall, the same thing. That was fucking awesome. And especially both of them, they brought um their opponent into the interview. And, uh, you know, even in, I was watching the post show on ESPN, they, they were just, as they were talking, they were showing clips of Gechi and, and Cerrone, like having a beer backstage. We need fucking more of that. And, um, I hate when I, when, when people fight like their are friends where they're just like high five and fucking whatever, doing the whole thing. But dude, afterward, we need more of that. You know, you don't have to have legit like bad blood or whatever to to make a fight interesting. You can make a fight interesting with fucking skill. I don't know. And yeah, um we've seen a lot of that lately. I think I think it's been a trend. I I think a you know MMA is getting a more mainstream audience. They realize that people that watch sports ball like that kind of shit. And B uh it's just people people are not wanting more of the same. You know, more like there's too many fucking, you know, there was a lot of fucking McGregor clones in the past, like two years, just trying to do that same, you know, gimmick. And, um, you know, it feels like we're in like the call out era where you have to call, call someone out on the mic. But sometimes fucking sportsmanship goes a long way. And as far as what's next for Gaethje, uh, I think he said it himself. And if you if you listen closely, he did call for the winner of Tony Khabib. But the way he fucking shat on Connor, if Connor wants to come back, there's only two fights that I think would make sense for him. Is the Poirier rematch and the fucking Gaethje fight. That's it. And he was already booked uh against Gaethje, apparently, but they just never announced it. It was it was like they're waiting to drop the bomb and then Connor broke his hand. That's the story that's come out, apparently. Um but uh the things that Gaethje has said about him in the media, like oh you're you 're supposed to be a role model to your kids, and you're out there fucking you know beating up people in bars like you're a fucking piece of shit and Gaethje even like says like no i'm not trying to call him out I'm trying to tell him he's a piece of shit you know don't tell me that's not strategic, I and mean, that's absolutely how he feels like Justin Gaethje is the kind of guy that just says how he feels, but um the way he did it in the post play interview makes me think it's very fucking calculated, and I'm here for it, dude um I mean, I'm I'm in the camp that like I'm very much on the fence about you know Conor coming back. I think like he's if he he's gonna say he's retired and he's gonna be doing all that bullshit, he needs to fucking stay retired. But we all know that uh, the UFC is gonna bend over backwards if he says he wants to come back. So I feel like his name is a little bit lurking in this lightweight division. So we kind of got to talk about it a little bit. But uh, you know, I guess actually what it really comes down to is how quickly they book Tony Khabib because if they book that for the end of this year uh Justin Gaethje could wait but if they don't and it ends up being like in January or February bro you got to take another fight you got to get on that undercard you got to get you got to get the co-main slot and you got to fucking set yourself up for a nice win you know they got they got to be putting fucking Gaethje and uh hell I'll take Gaethje Felder as the co-main for for Tony Khabib Absolutely, I'll take that fight all day. All right, I love this this uh, next question as well. This is from one of my heroes, um, Anthony Hernandez. You're going to hear from him. Take it away.
1: This is Anthony Season Salt Hernandez sending in a question for the FYM podcast. Do you think the carefree striking... Abilities of Justin Geachie would be the solution to Khabib's unrelenting pressure.
0: Oh man, uh, this guy is such a such a great uh, person in general, but also just to follow and to uh, interact with. Um, I've talked about him on the podcast for you know being very open about his uh, cancer treatment um, is what um, encouraged me to share it with you guys on the podcast, and uh, it's it's been going well i've got a lot of positive feedback from that and just seeing him you know go go through that is uh nothing short of inspirational and like i said you're you're a hero to me so uh and i look by the way i love he said f F fym which is like fwm mixed with bym could have been a freudian slip but i'll take it uh by the way great dialect absolutely that was um that was on point And I don't see, I don't think it's Gaethje's carefree striking necessarily. But I do think he possesses some level of skills that would make an interesting fight for Khabib. And it sucks that we're not talking about it because Khabib has been saying like, Oh, I want to retire 30. No, it's, you know, Tony and GSP and that's it. But dude, let's stop fucking talking about the GSP fight. That shit is never going to happen. Uh, George St. Pierre is going to stay retired, uh, so stop honey dicking us with that. Just stop. And uh, to be honest with you, that fight has a lot of question marks because I think old Gaethje, you know, crazy Gaethje, would make interesting. And, but patient Gaethje, I'm not so sure about. But Gaethje did say this in in an interview. Uh, you know, I, I feel like he said it a few times. How you know he's been wrestling since he was five years old. So if Khabib wants to turn to a wrestling match, he feels like he's like I can I can handle that, and I I don't give a fuck about getting taken down. And that's kind of what makes Gaethje striking effective and Khabib striking effective is because they both don't care about getting taken down. So that to me, like I don't know, it, it just it just does something. Like like Gaethje's leg kicks. Uh, are like a big weapon. And a lot of people don't like to throw leg kicks against wrestlers because they can get caught. But Gaethje doesn't give a fuck, dude. He'll he'll scramble. He'll get out of there. He'll defend the takedown. I think Gaethje and Khabib would be an excellent matchup if, and this is a big if, Khabib can get past Tony. But I'll take Gaethje and Tony as well. Fuck yeah. Are you kidding me? I'll take that right now. I mean... Not right now, because let's be fair. Tony's next, or we're gonna fucking riot. Okay, we already know that, but um, yeah. Any of that fucking lightweight top five? The, all those matchups are fire. We're gonna get to that in, in a little bit with another question. But god damn it, getting so excited thinking about these lightweight matchups.
2: Hey, big dog. It's Shane Kara. I'm trying to figure out why MMA is really exciting to watch but it's really really terrible to listen to the commentary too just the commentary like i listened to the Tyson Fury auto violent boxing match last night and the commentators were actually pretty good about like explaining what was happening granted boxing is just footwork and he's trying to punch like a quarter of a of a person because they pull their fucking shorts up so so high, but um, when I just try and listen to MMA fights, it's real it's real boring and I can never really figure out what's going on. Do you think that's because MMA is still new and they're trying to figure out the best way to commentate things, or do you think it's because there's too much going on in the fight to keep up with most of the time? Even sometimes with heavyweight fights, like you can you can.
0: Man, I, I feel like he got cut off. Unfortunately, the um, anchor voice messages are um, only a minute in length. Uh, or they're only allowed to be. So, um, Shane, message me. I'll let you know how you can uh, send in a longer one. We can make that happen. Because I feel like you had something to say and you probably didn't know you got cut off. But Because uh, the, the title of this question is, Just How Good Is Mauro Ranallo? And dude... Mauro Ranallo does not get talked about enough as being like the best MMA commentator, in my opinion, um, at least on the short list for top three, uh, especially like strength of schedule, like him doing, uh, like NXT and on like the, the, the work he does with WWE and fucking glory kickboxing and, uh, uh other things going back to Bellator and just kind of keeping those all in rotation, showtime boxing as well. Like, no one fucking works harder than Maro Ranallo, and um, you know me. Shameless plugs uh, are a plenty, and uh, I did an episode on Maro Ranallo on my other podcast, Mixed Martial Opinions. And uh, some of you have listened to this episode because I did recommend it um, to hear more about my story. But uh, my, you know, friend Andrew, we're trying to convince him to like MMA, and we talk about different uh, aspects of MMA. In that episode we broke down the uh, bipolar rock and roller documentary and that was all about, you know, Marinallo's struggle with uh, being bipolar and his mental health. And uh we, we use that as a segue to talk about my own battle with depression and um what I'm going what I was going through with uh, with cancer. So um if you're at all interested in that, um you should at least listen to the fucking Maro Ronaldo part. I mean that is is worthwhile in my opinion, the you know mixed martial opinions I believe it's episode twenty five you know it'll say Dodson versus you know bipolar rock and roller but um to answer your question about the commentary, it's weird because i I think he's saying like if you were to just listen to commentary as like, like as if it was like a radio you know um personally i I, I would agree, but at the same time. If we're talking about watching fights with or without commentary, regardless of the level of commentary, I, I always prefer with commentary when I'm watching it live. Uh, it just feels weird. And and if they're saying like stupid shit or if they're on a tangent, I'll lower the volume maybe. But the, but if if it's on like if I'm at a bar right and they, and they have like other fucking sports on, which is uh, first of all uh, a crime. Um, second of all, the other when other sound takes place, I'm like no 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 no. But, but it means I'm watching fights basically on mute and I feel like I'm just, like, screaming at the TV. Like, I, I want to hear something! Uh, which actually, like, I kind of sometimes prefer, like, The Ultimate Fighter, when you can hear the fucking teams cheering each other on and the fucking sounds of the kicks landing. I mean, that that is is great. I mean, if all of the fights were like that with absolutely no commentary, that would be boring, but... You know, there's something to that. It's got very much like a like a like a movie feel, where you can feel like the corners yelling, like, give him everything. By the way, how annoying was it when they when they showed Gilbert Burns in the fucking corner of uh, Chas Kelly? He was like, let's get that bonus, let's get that bonus. I think someone tweeted out, like, dude, we must get a big percentage because yeah, for the last minute, he just kept saying, let's get that bonus, dude. Stop it. Um... But yeah, um, we need better quality commentators. Basically. Uh, I agree with you and and it is, you know, I think the complexity of, of MMA is, is, is what makes it more challenging. Oftentimes, you know, boxing commentators, boxing has just been around longer. So they know the different intricacies of that sport. And, uh, they followed the guy's careers longer. MMA has got a lot of people that are new. The sport is new. You know, you really, really need someone like Bisping. You know, I think Bisping is a great commentator, and he understands jujitsu, even though he never really used it in his fights. You know, the, him talking through the grappling sequences is is great, and that that's the the biggest thing where where, where commentators fail at. I feel. All right, this is someone making their fucking debut of the podcast. So excited for this guy. Um, take it away, Tev.
4: yo, it's your boy, Tev Talks MMA. You already know, what up? Um, Fighting With Myself podcast. What's good with y'all? Hope everything good. Um, figure I'd submit a voice message real quick. Um, so Cowboy vs. Genchi just happened. Um, I'm trying to like pack a bowl as I do this. If I'm so if I'm slowing my speech down, that's why. But uh so yeah, Cowboy versus gates just happened. Fucking Cowboy got his porn stash punched off his face into the sixth row. But I was just thinking, you know, I feel like if Cowboy's about to be relegated to a gatekeeper role in the lightweight division, he's about to fuck up a lot of um lightweights on their way up. Like that's a good spot for him to be. Um let me know what you think, though. What's next? Is Cowboy just going to be the fucking Grim Reaper gatekeeper? Because that's what I feel like might just happen for the next year or so. That's it. Peace out.
0: You're goddamn right. Dude, first of all, if you don't follow this guy, it's at Tev Talks TevTalksMMA. Uh, great follow, in my opinion. Always positive. I mean, Talk's a little shit, but, like, it's in the right way, like, him and there's like a few other accounts who know how to just talk the right amount of shit where like, I feel like if I do it, I feel like people just fucking come after me. But uh, he just talks the right amount of shit. And maybe it's just, you know, shit we agree with. But dude, um, every time I see something, I agree, I, like when I, when I agree with this guy, I agree like so hard. I'm like, yes, dude, like just now, like absolutely. And it's one of those things where the fight game, you know, what it comes down to is, the old generation has to get pushed out by young up-and-comers. It's A, the easiest way to make a name on a up-and-coming fighter, you know, to, to build their stock and um, get their name out there, is to put them against a veteran. And it's also a good way to, you know, a lot of fighters have to get forced out, unfortunately. It kind of sucks, you know. And... We we're already about to see that with Cowboy, because um, you feel like a guy like this, he was so close to getting a title shot. I mean, even though he's already had one, you know, against RDA. If he had beat Tony Ferguson, he would be next in line. You know, we were talking about, you know, I mean, I, I don't think we'd be saying it could be versus Cowboy or we riot, but we definitely would be wanting to see him next. Like if he beats Tony, if he, he would have beat Tony, like oh my god, but, uh, like a win over Gaethje would have put him at least in the conversation. And now it's sort of like you've punched your last ticket when it comes to getting a title shot. So where do you go? You got to kind of fucking keep the up-and-comers at bay or whatever. But to your point, I feel like he's going to murk those fools. You know, he's going to be like Grim Reaper gatekeeper. You're absolutely right. I mean, Cowboys have kind of got to fucking go on a nine-fight win streak at lightweight. And then lose one, go on a four or five win streak at welterweight. Like, I feel like he gets motivated off of losses. And um, we are, we saw it already with the fucking Hernandez fight. He beat the brakes off that little kid. And uh, I, think, I think anyone else coming up, as long as he takes some time, because he had these fucking back-to-back fights where Cowboy just doesn't He's his own worst enemy in this regard. Like, he had that five-rounder with Iaquinta. Uh Oh, and then four weeks later, uh, I'm going to fight Tony Ferguson. Dude, uh, if you haven't already, you should listen to Chael Sonnen's interview with Al Iaquinta. He was saying, like, Al, Al was watching that fight at home, being like, I'm still banged up. How is he not banged up? And you're going to fight Tony Ferguson? Are you kidding me? Like, of course. And this is, so to have that... Have the fucking, your eyes swell up from a, from a botched nose blow, and then be like, yeah, I'll fight just engage you in a couple of months as well, dude, take the rest of the year off, spend some time with your hot-ass wife and your son, uh, who is, by the way, pound for pound, one of the cutest babies in MMA, um, and those, those dudes that were dressing up as cowboy with the fucking baby Bjorn of Danger and the fucking headphones, so cringe. So cringe. Put a cowboy hat on and just show your sport that way. Don't fucking put the baby Bjorn as well. They're just trying to get some TV time, man. (laughs) I can't even talk about it without laughing. It was so cringe. Um, I'm sorry if any of those guys listen to this podcast. But, uh, man. Anyways. Take some time. Take it like fucking six months off. Rest your brain and then come back and uh I don't know, murk Gregor Gillespie or something. Or fucking destroy Kevin Lee. I think I think Cowboy would destroy Kevin Lee. I guess that's all I have to say. But but great question, man. Shout out your boy Tef Talks MMA. Love that guy. Alright, this is the last uh voice question on tap.
3: Hey there, Juice. It's the region Sweet Potato. All the way from the northern wilds of Canada, eh? Sorry I wasn't able to get my question in last week. Hurricane Donair rolled through here and made quite the mess of things. So if that inconvenienced anyone in any way, I'm real sorry about that. Anywho, I got a question for you if you don't mind me asking. Uh, last night at UFC Vancouver, we saw Tristan Connolly make his USA debut on five days notice against Michelle Pehe, uh, 15 pounds above his usual weight class. No, I know there's lots of people out there who enjoy watching flashy moves from guys like Paheya and MVP, but myself and others, frankly, find it ridiculous. I mean, seriously, the guy looked like a Ringling Brothers reject last night with his ineffective flailing. Cartley said he was the David to Paheya's Goliath, and he proved it by beating him with pressure and good fundamentals. So, my question is this. Are flashy, fun-to-watch, yet ineffective moves the physical equivalent to trash talk? And which is worse when it comes to -to back-to-bite-you-in-the-ass? Flashy pointless moves or trash talk? Oh, got to run. My poutine's ready.
0: (laughs) Poutine. Dude. This is a great question. And I I told G we were going to cover this on the podcast because I saw G talking about this. And I was like, this is exactly the fucking question that Sweet Potato just sent me. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? And and to me, it comes down to this. Risk big, win big. Flashy stuff like that are the kind of things that, you know, when you win with it, like himself, Johnny Walker, you look like a superstar. You know, MVP was on top of the world for a while. But when you lose, people will fucking drag you through the mud. And you're right, he did sort of look like a Ringling Brothers reject. But if that shit had worked, which it has for a majority of his career, including his last fight, you know, against... What was that? Danny Roberts or whoever that was? Dude, it's awesome. And I would rather... I would rather see ineffective flashy shit than ineffective trash talk. Like, don't get me wrong. I love I love some good trash talk when you can back it up. Um, but, well, like, if a guy has some horrible trash talk and then gets their fucking brains beat in. It's so bad. When a guy has some, some flashy moves that uh, don't pay off for him, just kind of laugh. I feel like, I don't know. It's hard to answer. Like, which is more satisfying. <laughs> Sweet we always asks the questions where I'm like, well this, but then also this, and then I can see this way, but also this way. I'm like, so on the fence right now, but, uh, I love I love the comparison. He's absolutely right. It is the physical equivalent of trash talk, the, like the ineffective, flashy shit. Um, I think we could see, hopefully, we see a more calculated Michelle Pajeda in his, in his next few fights. for sure, work on your gas tank. Like absolutely that. Work on the weight cut, like I said, maybe move uh, up to 185, but don't abandon what brought you to the dance. He needs to be he needs to keep that shit and he needs to add more fundamentals he has them he he was landing a good counter straight right uh you know a couple times in the fight and uh or a right cross you know it's whatever he if he would just implement a little bit more and and like maybe just a little more footwork opposed to uh flips you know can win fights. I don't know. He's awesome, though. I don't give a fuck. I'm still a Michelle Pajada fan. I think he can clean his act together. But I am... Uh, now I'm a. I'm a definite fan of uh, Tristan Conley as well. Um, I will be... A, I'll be fucking tuning in for that gentleman's next fight. My God. Alright, this next question comes from... Oli Ra at O-L-I-R-A-H-H, says, would you change any of these? If so, what fights would you make for the lightweight division? He lists a couple of matchups uh, for lightweight. It says, Khabib versus Tony, Gaethje versus winner of that fight, Poirier versus Felder, Gregor versus Lee, machachev versus Hernandez. Uh, I like that. Um... The only thing I would change, and, I, and I, I would like Poirier-Felder, but I think I like Gaethje-Felder more. And uh, like I said, it all comes down to how quickly they book that that uh, title fight with Tony and Khabib. Especially if they, for some reason, if they decide that someone else jumps the line, A, we riot. B, you know, Tony shouldn't have to wait, but gaethje would be waiting, and he doesn't, I feel like, deserve to wait. Like, he hasn't earned the right to to wait. He might get passed up. So he got to have another fight to to keep himself relevant. So I would love, like, in a perfect fucking world, I would have Tony Khabib uh, at the top of the bill and Gaethje versus Felder as the co-main. And then you can either, you know, Poirier-Connor or Poirier versus really any of the up-and-coming liveweights as well. Poirier-Barboza is not a bad fight either think about that one dude. And uh I do want to see Gregor Gillespie versus Kevin Lee, although I don't think I don't see I don't know if Kevin Lee should go back to 155. You know, he just lost one fight at 170, you know, give yourself a little more time. But um I think he just has a hard time fighting fights sometimes, so when Gregor Gillespie called him out, I think he was like, "Fuck it. I'll go back down." Um, and Islam Makhachev. I I just don't know what to do with Islam Makhachev. But um, if you want to put him against Alex Hernandez, that's fine by me. Because I don't give a shit about Alex Hernandez. But uh, great question. Keep him coming. Alright, this was sent from my main man, Cyrus King. Definitely follow that guy. I mean, what are you doing not following Cyrus King? He will follow you back. He also will not uh troll you like some of these other fucking accounts, dude. Do this fucking cuck and I, by the way, I apologize to Shane Terra for he al- always hates when I use that word and uh, I apologize, but dude, this fucking guy was trolling me. I, first I muted him, then he tagged someone else in my post to fucking roast me as well. I was like, "I don't want to I don't want you fucking seeing my post anymore." So I blocked his ass cyrus dm me is like hey what was that guy i was like oh yeah i blocked that bitch and he was like i'll block him too that's it dude that's it real recognized real what else can i say all right (laughs) back to the fucking question cyrus says if justin gaethje beats habib after habib beats tony how big a star do you think justin is dude so disrespectful to tony ferguson I think Tony has a good chance of winning that fight. Again, for me, it's like it's like fifty-one forty-nine, but that that one percent is enough for me to, to for me to pick Tony. And uh, either way, I think we still got to see that fight play out before we talk about Justin. But but yeah, honestly, if he if Justin Gaethje beats either of those dudes, he he would be a master star. He's already a, a, a pretty big star. I th- I think Justin could headline a pay per view against the right fight you know, probably it would have to be a title fight. Um, but, you know, even you know, with so many fucking titles now and so many cards, they're uh they're having title fights headline fight nights now. So I, I don't think, you know, if Justin were to get the title or to fight for the title, I don't think it would be on, on a fight night, it would have to be on a pay per view. So that is a testament to, you know, his star power. So absolutely. But uh put some respect on Tony Ferguson's name, Cyrus. Just kidding. Love you, brother. All right. Uh, this is from Fight for Your Right. He says, what do you think? And it's at, his handle is at fight number four, Y-O-U-R-R-I-T-E. r i t e, says, what do you think of Cerrone's comments he made after the fight saying, I'm going to get the belt. It's going to happen. Was last night's loss a nail in the coffin for Cowboys chances to ever hold a title. I mean, it probably was, you know. Cowboys at the point of his career when he's got a lot more yesterdays than tomorrow's in terms of fights. Uh there, you know, I don't know how many more years he has left of him. I'm not saying he should retire by no means. Um, but him saying in the back that he's still, you know, he's got to go back to the drawing board and and this and that and and see what's next. And then he wants to, you know, he's gonna call Dana, probably bugging for a fight in a few days. Uh I do but I do I do think unless something crazy happens and he's fighting for a vacant title, I don't think Cowboys get another title shot. Which kinda sucks. But uh he's been around along, he's he's set a fucking ton of records. He did get a chance to fight for a title once, so he's at least check check that off the, the list. And uh I think what Tev said, I think he's gonna become this fucking Grim Reaper gatekeeper for the next year or so. And uh and that's it, which is Absolutely nothing to hang your head about. I mean, he's had an incredible career. He can end it right now. Um and and I, I just I don't wanna see him fucking be one of these B J Penn guys that's just holding on for too long. And I I wanna see Cowboy know when to walk away. I'd love to see him get a nice win maybe maybe in front of his hometown crowd, like in Denver somewhere. Um or maybe they do a card in New Mexico, which they don't do very often. And he gets to headline that and maybe go out on a on a win. That would be just fucking picture perfect for me uh, uh you know and that should happen within the next like year or so i i would say for cowboy like year or two max and i just want to quickly shout out uh someone replied to this he said uh is uh, lt at lt speaks says andrew yang's coolest black friend that if you don't follow this guy you're missing out great fucking tweets um always supportive uh he fucking I I can remember exactly when he first started listening to my show. It was the the Roxanne Modafferi episode, episode uh, sixteen, and he was like saying, you know, I'm gonna start supporting supporting these people, uh, you know, that put out their uh, shit on 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 podcast, and I want to start with FWM Pod. I was so fucking thrilled uh, to hear his his positive responses, and he's been like my personal hype man, you know, saying, you know, <laughs> I feel like he's always promoting the podcast, and I love it. I love when you guys do that shit. Um, it, it it really makes me happy. So, so thank you. All right, Shane Tara, uh, you heard him on the the voice question, but he sent another one as well in the forum. It says, do you think Jimmy Crute is going to keep getting a push from the UFC, or are they going to forget about him? Not asking what's next because that shit is lame. Hashtag Ask WFM. I don't disagree, but I I like your train of thought as far as like the. People say what's next that that is a little bit too overused, but uh I don't think and I, I already kind of alluded to this as well um I don't think they're gonna they're gonna forget about him, especially his, his division dude is kind of shallow um they need names um, and they need contenders for for John Jones, so I absolutely think um he's not going away I mean not just in terms of like I don't think obviously no one's saying he's gonna get cut just for one loss, but I'm saying you know in terms of getting the push. Maybe they take it easy for one or two fights, but um, I don't think um, the uh, momentum is completely lost there. I think he's still going to get a push. So, I guess short answer, but yeah. I think he's going to get a push, basically. (laughs) Oh, man. The timing of this is terrible because I just apologize to Shane for using the word cuck. And this next question has cuck in it, so sorry about it. Uh, But this is from uzi for prez Hashtag fuck Pam says uh, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being rock hold, rank Brian Ortega's level of cuck because this Mexico city, or shall I say Mexico shitty card is looking shit and he was supposed to be on it. Dude. I don't like to call fighters scared. They fight in a cage for a living. Uh, they do things that I can only really dream of. But where do we draw the line? Like, at one point, can we say, like, Brian Ortega, why are you turning down the Korean zombie card? You scared? And again, I don't like to use that word, but what the fuck, man? Now I'm sounding like blood on the canvas. What the fuck, man? You were supposed to be on this card, dude. Now we we have Jair Rodriguez fighting Jeremy Stevens. Get it together, Brian Ortega. I would say, I would say he's a five on the scale of one to ten. How about that? Cause it's not too... i I'm actually a big Brian Ortega fan, not as much as Smokey J, but I do fucking love Brian Ortega. Uh, but come on, dude. Just, just, just stop. All right, this next guy's awesome as well. He's uh Matai Stevenson. That's M-A-T-A-I Stevenson with a P-H. And he says, "Tell me how Hall got controlled for ten minutes and still won. How? How sway? All right. I feel like I talked about this in my recap, but I, I feel like the judges were on another level in terms of like the, there was not a lot of respect for grappling in, in these in these judges' decisions the other night. But, uh, bro, I don't have a problem with Hall winning." I kind of thought he fucked shoe face up. You know, when you're doing that amount of damage and I feel like he was, he was close to finishing the fight at certain points. So I got no problem with it. And again, I really think pride rules should, uh, should be in effect with judging. You know, the, the, the 10 point must round by round really, really fucks with me sometimes. It really does. And he says, who in your mind has a better chance of beating Habib, Tony or Justin, and why? And I guess short answer, Tony. But uh, I give Justin a pretty solid chance as well. I mean, at this point, with a, with a champion as dominant as Khabib, all we're doing is really making a case of, of why people can, you know, moments they could have success, you know, really... I feel like with most other title fights, you're breaking it down as a regular fight saying, well, this person wins this part. This person wins that part. What can they do here? You know, if it if it's a three round fight versus a five round, like th- there's so many like other variables with, with, with when it comes to Khabib, it's like who can stop the takedown? You know what I mean? Like who can implement their game plan and not allow Khabib to implement his because we know what's the plan. It's father's plan. As Javier Mendez likes to say, um, but I really feel like Tony's active guard, um, his willingness to, to throw up submissions off his back, and uh, the fucking elbows that never stop coming are going to be a real problem for Khabib, and his uh, success in the front headlock position, particularly the Darst choke as well, um, that's just something that I just I can't get out of my head. Um, and then Justin Gaethje, I feel like, I, I talked about this earlier, but the fact that he can avoid the wrestling... Could maybe give uh could be some problems, but I don't for sure know that. It's just like Justin was a you know Division one college wrestler, and he said he's been wrestling since he was five, so he just doesn't see like if he wants to make it a wrestling match. I feel like he can try and negate that at least for for two rounds, which could be enough to land one of those fucking nasty overhands. So who knows? All right. This next question is from Joe Blogs at Joe Blogs seventy four. That's Blogs with two G's. Um, you heard his uh, Scouse imitation earlier. He um, says, "Do you think Todd Duffy just couldn't be ours to fight on? Because I couldn't see that eye poke. I thought his hand just pushed on his cut above his eye. Um, it definitely wasn't a fucking Ryan Bader Czech Congo situation. That, there, there was an eye poke somewhere in there. Um, and like I said, the fact that he was." Pretty like adamant. Like usually, usually when they say like, "Can you continue?" They're like, "Ah!" Like he was like, "I'm fucking seeing double." So I just don't see uh, why you would say I'm not. Not that I don't see why, but for me, like I don't, I don't see him wanting a way out. I didn't see that. So that's my opinion. Uh, and then Dad Bro is at looking at MMA says. I'm afraid that Cowboy is going to die by the sword. What about you? And uh, I kind of feel like I talked about this earlier. You know, a guy like Cowboy... I mean, most fighters, they have to be forced out. And a guy like Cowboy especially, I think that's going to be the case. Like, my God. My God. We are we are about to see a Cowboy... Um. Take more fights than is necessary You know he's already got a ton of money Sponsorships he's got the BMF Ranch that he's building He's got that uh, whole you know Amateur fight night thing that he's promoting You know to build young talent you know Cowboy is setting himself up to have a fucking Nice career ahead of him You know and uh, He just he just loves fighting So much and we love that for him Dude I fucking love Cowboy Like I obviously picked Gaethje And a lot of people were saying like like I can pick against somebody and still like them. Like I think the world of Cowboy. So yeah, to see him go out, uh, I think he's, you know, yeah. Basically, I'm I'm agreeing with you, Dad, bro. <laughs> I mean, it it sucks, but I I hope he'll have a good team around him that's going to, uh, you know, advise him properly it certainly seems like you know he was taking more f- like calculated matchups lately they said he was you know not rushing into certain matchups he was taking steps at you know a pathway to the belt um, so I would hope that that's the case but since there's no pathway to the belt maybe he does go back to his old ways and just takes a bunch of fights for no reason. I don't know. I'm I'm getting depressed thinking about it. I don't want to talk about it. But uh, you're right, basically, is what I'm saying. Or at least, you know, I'm agreeing with you. Uh, this is from at Canine Bug Finder, California Bed Bugs. says, do you think Cowboy has many fights left, or do you think he will really be around for a while like he claims? Um, I mean, it's, it's really open to interpretation how long he's claiming. Um, but I think, you know, Going back to what I just said And what we kind of talked about with Tev's question Is like he's probably going to be the lightweight gatekeeper For the next For for the foreseeable future And uh, who knows how many fights that is And it really depends on the outcome of those fights Like if he's getting finished You know back to back Like Someone needs to fucking pull the plug On that You know Stop it before it becomes a fucking issue You know I feel like I'm about to go off on the UFC unnecessarily. Like, if I feel like they're going to let it happen, and I'm like already want to get mad, but I feel like I should give them the benefit of the doubt, and maybe give Cowboy the benefit of the doubt that he can, you know, continue his winning ways. You know. But fucking a man. All right, this is from Trans LFC at LFC Trans. Uh, I feel like I don't shout them out enough. This uh, this gentleman has been a faithful listener to the podcast really since. Probably episode five or you know, earlier on. Anyway, it says, um, if it's, if you could change one rule for your own, what would it be? I don't really know how to interpret that. I'm going to go off of... Uh, this is a question that Caposa um, submitted to Ashley's podcast, the MMA Nerd Podcast. So shout out both of them. Um, Kaposa is like the first person on MMA Twitter that I followed that wasn't like a journalist. And this is like before I fucking really got into him on my Twitter. Um, this is on my personal account. Um, so I um, always love uh, Kaposa's tweets. I think highly of his uh, input. And uh, so he says, "What?" Uh, this is from Trance now. He says, if we could change one rule for you, what would it be? And and Kaposa's question was saying, you know, what illegal rule would you make legal, basically? And for me, because that's kind of how I interpret this question, for me, right away is 12 to, six, twelve to six elbows. That's just gotta be allowed like absolutely there's no reason it should be legal um, or it should be illegal. It's gotta be legal. Um, but I also I also kind of think of grounded knees. so it's hard to pick just one. I guess i I guess I'll boil it down to two. like I could go on, but uh definitely. No, fuck that. Point deductions. You get one warning and that's in the locker room. None of these fucking pussy warnings in the cage. You break a rule, you get a point deduction. Fuck that. I just turned the corner on it. That's what I'm saying. More point deductions. That's the rule. It's too open for interpretation now. And we need to fucking fix that. All right, this is from Derek Lewis's Hot Balls. It's at Pixie Dust 26 She says, Which dance genre would be most effective to use in a fight? Just to give you a heads up, it is an awkward white girl dancing. I tried it once. Ref thought I was having a seizure. He ended up calling the fight in favor of my opponent, TKO. I hope that's a joke. And if you actually had a fight and you tried to uh, white girl dance, I want to fucking hear about it. But that's a, if that's a joke, that's a really good joke. But definitely tell me the story if it's real. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking about this actually, cause, uh, you know, done a little bit of dancing myself and, um, we already know that like, it seems like the most, the, 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 the type of dancing that's the most prevalent that a lot of fighters seem to gravitate toward in terms of like using it for their, uh, full work and stuff is salsa, you know, uh, MVP does it. Fucking Darren Stewart talked about it recently in an interview. Uh, Who else? Um, Tony Ferguson uses it a lot, the fucking salsa footwork, which I love. But dude, something we talk about, the hard truth, something you guys don't want to hear is that um, athletes for years have been using ballet for conditioning and for uh, foot strengthening and for technique, and to just help with their athleticism. And I think if more fighters were willing to train ballet and not seeing it as like pussy shit, which they shouldn't, it's a toxic masculinity, they would be pretty successful. The fucking tondus, the fucking fouettes, the pirouettes, all those are effective in striking. But what do I know? I'm just a fucking podcaster. But anyway, that's my opinion. All right, this is from Gator, if I can call you that, at Cody Labney. By the way, please uh, please send another voice question, because you, you had such an awesome question last time, and I, I've missed it. Um, but I'm glad he's at least uh, participating in the forum here. It says, is Gillespie a viable threat to Khabib? No one talks about him, but his ground game is pretty outstanding. What's his road to get there? If you're playing matchmaker, and it's interesting, dude. Um, I and, and and there was a little bit of back and forth between him and uh, this guy named Drexel, and they're basically saying, and I agree, is that there's not really a path. You know, in a perfect world, like the way Khabib's wanting to go, and he's had a lot of fights. I don't think Khabib is going to be the champion, let alone fighting. When uh, when Gregor Gillespie finally gets his title shot, assuming he gets one, um, but as far as like if I was playing Matchmaker, a road to Gillespie getting a title shot of any you know against whoever the current champion is at that time, it would really be to get a, a win against Kevin Lee, which is something that's I believe in the works, at least being rumored and talked about, and then probably the winner of whomever Felder is fighting next if that person doesn't get a title shot and then uh you feel like i feel like then he might be in the conversation already although he's just kind of starting to break into the top 10 you know those are both those are both i feel you know higher ranked opponents that that mean something so so that could be a a a solid path for him but as far as him being a threat to khabib it's interesting dude like i would love to see I would just love to see them like train together and just see what that's like because I feel like they have the same game plan which is to wrestle the fuck out of you until you're tired and then like just start to force the wrestling early and just, just pin you up against the cans, throw you around, let you back up, then throw you back down again and just fucking do that until you're tired and you're making bad mistakes and then capitalize them, either ground and pound or a submission. Uh, so what like really what happens when... Two people with the same game plan fight, like it's sort of like it would be like the wrestling version of uh, or the grappling whatever version of Anderson Silva versus Israel Adesanya, but more 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 or less in their prime. So I would be really interested in the Gregor Gillespie versus Khabib fight. Honestly, like we're not really talking about it because as we just discussed earlier, it's not really a possibility for him. Rankings wise, you know, but for for some reason, if, if Habib is uh, in the conference, you know, dude, if, if Gregor Gillespie gets a fight on the card with Habib's next opponent, and for some reason, I, mean, I don't want to put this negative juju out there, but if for some reason they uh, fall through and um, Gregor Gillespie is the highest ranked lightweight at the time, like, I feel like that's the only way we're going to see that fight. But otherwise, um, it's going to be Gregor versus whoever is the champion. And uh, you know, actually, what wouldn't be a bad idea for him is the winner of Aya Quinta versus Dan Hooker. That would be a next uh, good opponent for him. That's what I think, actually. Get get a win against Kevin Lee, if if they really want to make that fight, and then fight the winner of Aya Quinta-Hooker, then I feel like you're ready for Khabib. All right, this is from... My man, Phil the MMA dude. Love his podcast. He does with the Fight Geek. Put some respect on the Fight Geek's name. Um, People always just say Phil's podcast. It's the Split Decision podcast. Uh, They both uh, do work on that podcast. And uh, he says, even though Fight Geek's never joined the forum, hello, Fight Geek. Just throwing shade. Love that guy. Um, He says, should Gaethje fight again or wait for winner of Khabib versus Tony? Um I kind of answered this already. It really depends on how quickly they book that fight. If they book a Tony for it could be over sending for the end, for the end of the year, I think he could wait. However, it, it still might be a good idea to get a fight on that card. And really, there's not much for him other than Felder. All right, this next question is from um, MMA by Milliken says, okay, Juice, if a fighter has just as many losses as they have wins, should they consider retirement? This is coming from looking at the Mexico card, not this cowboy nonsense. Other examples are BJ Penn, of course. Um, yeah, kind of. I mean, it really depends. I mean, we got a guy like Jeremy Stevens fighting this weekend, and uh, we're going to talk about him more when we preview um, his fight with Yair. But Jeremy Stevens was a a guy who, at one point, and this may still be the case, had a record for the most UFC losses, which is not a record you want to have. And um, it's really because he's a guy that's shown to... It's like kind of kill or be killed with him as well. I mean, he does lose decisions more often like when he loses so it's not like Todd Duffy style where he's literally like getting finished or finishing someone or like Nikita Korilov but mm. he just always brings it no matter what and he's never really shown any signs of fading in my opinion like he's still fast explosive he's still got a good chin but I mean Jeremy Stevens as of late I feel like he's kind of turned his career around a little bit he, he had put together a nice streak where Dude, if he had won that Aldo fight, we would have seen him fight for the title. And it it, it sucks for him as well because he does have a loss to Max Holloway. Um, and as long as Max Holloway is the champion, that's going to be a tough sell. But, uh, you know, in general, that's a pretty good barometer. You know, if a fighter has more or as almost as many losses as they have wins, they should maybe consider a retirement, but I, I, I don't think records play into it as much as really how the fighter's looking, because MMA has never been a sport that was built on undefeated records. You know, you can get someone to 30 and 0 in boxing pretty easily by just having them fight, uh, you know, tomato cans. And, uh, you know, promoters can fucking make that shit happen all day long, and uh, that's why boxing is uh, boring. But MMA, there are so many ways to lose that fans have always accepted that one thing that's so beautiful about this sport is that anyone can win on any, any given night. So the record doesn't, to me, take as much toll as how they're looking, you know, in those in those fights. But I, I like where you're going with it. It is something that should be talked about, you know. I feel like we do need um, somewhat of a barometer when it comes to uh, retirement. Like, or some sort of, not barometer, but like some sort of like rule, I guess you could say. But I guess it really is a case-by-case basis, so already I take that back. Now, fuck that. <laughs> All right, this next question is from Hectic1. It's uh, H-E-K-T-I-C underscore one. This is another guy where you, dude, you gotta follow this guy. He's fucking... Making his own memes, basically. Like, I feel like the, the memes he uses are are so much more original than, than all of us. One time I was like, where do you find this shit? He goes, uh, the internet. I'm like, D- obviously. Um but I feel like his just the timing of it is so good. All right. Um And he says, I'm just here to make sure you talk about Cowboy's Doc Holiday f- outfit for at least five minutes. Bro, I... The moment he came on screen, first of all, I was like, like they always do the main event arrivals where like, they'll just randomly cut to them walking backstage, usually fucking drinking a monster and wearing beat headphones for the fucking product placement. One time RDA came in with a fucking pumpkin spice latte, which was so funny. Uh, but when they showed cowboy, like in this fucking just elegant fucking outfit, just like waving to the crowd with that fucking mustache. I was like, Oh my God. And, and fucking Fitzgerald who, by the way, I don't think is terrible. Like I think he gets too much shit online. Um, and he's not a bad commentator for the most part, but he was like, Oh, traditional Canadian garb. I was like, that's traditional doc holiday garb, dude. It was amazing. I was like, I want one. Like make me that. That needs to be the next, like, Like, fuck those guys that were doing the fucking Baby Bjorn uh, cowboy costumes. I want that to be the fucking cowboy costume. If you're going to dress up like cowboy for a fight, you got to wear that fucking Doc Holliday outfit. Don't give me those fucking headphones on your fucking baby. (laughs) Not cowboy. I'm talking about the fan, dude. Um, I love it. He needs to wear that. Every fucking fight. They need to put a Reebok logo on the fucking side of his hat. They need to put a fucking Reebok logo on the suit or a fucking monster logo. Something. And that's it, dude. That's it. My hands are tied now. My hands are tied now. I hope that was enough. I don't think that was five minutes, but I can only... uh, Gush on cowboy for so long before I I get a little hob and bothered. We might have to end this podcast early. You know what I'm saying? All right. This uh, next question is from J C at On the Rise. J C rises with a Z, and he says, "What do you think of friends slash teammates fighting each other? Do they make for good fights? Can not wanting to hit a guy be an issue?" Uh, first of all, JC, you talk, you talked to me about a wanting to send a voice question, but it was a little bit getting cutting short. I got you on that. Hit me up and I'll tell you how to make that happen. Um, cause I, I love, I prefer voice questions. Um, but yeah, um, this is like one thing that I agree with Dana White on. Like, I don't agree with Dana White often, but, uh, you know, he, he says when it comes to like, when teammates don't want to fight each other is like get a new teammate or you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, that's a little harsh, but like it is not a team sport and, and camaraderie is so important and, you know, training at a good gym is important and having good training partners is so important. Uh, you know, and, and having positive energy around you and having to be a team, but like there's a reason why the top boxers have like their camps like tailored around them because, you know, not wanting to hit a guy is a, is a thing like, you know, it, it, it sucks because you don't want to see that happen. Like as a fan, I would love to see Ben Askren versus Tyron Woodley, but they both are like, that would never happen. We're friends. Absolutely. Don't even offer it. You know, throw that contract in the trash. Don't offer it, but he's right. And, I can only assume this this question was at least uh somewhat influenced by, you know, not only Gaethje and Cowboy, but Uriah Hall and Antonio Carlos Jr., you know, saying that they trained together. Um It certainly wasn't an issue for uh um Paul Felder and Ensign Barboza. I mean, they trained together for years at uh, uh under under Mark Henry and uh they put on a fucking war. So it's, yeah it's it's an issue for some guys and and you're right familiarity can kind of you know affect the fight in a negative way as well uh Brendan Schaub talked about this and uh don't like talking about him and you know to prove a point often uh because uh Brendan Schaub is the worst But uh, he was saying when he fought Arlovsky, they were both a little tentative and it was because they trained together and they knew, they both knew what uh, basically they, each other could do as far as like power. And so there was a little bit of hesitation there and uh, I get it, but it just goes to show you, you know, you got to be mindful of these things. If you're both in the UFC, if you're both in the same organization, you know, maybe don't train together as much, you know, I mean, th- there are some gyms that, that, that recognize, Hey, we're both on the, on the same, in the same division. We're both in the same uh, promotion. We're going to fight one day and we're going to leave it all out there, put on a show for the fans and then come back to practice Monday morning and uh high five or help you get ready for the next one or whatever. You know, that, that uh, environment is good, but it can be detrimental if, if you're not uh, in the right mindset. So I hope I answer that correctly. Like, I'd, you know, there's, I feel like there's no raw right answer or there's, there's, there's certainly no wrong answer, but yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it. it. It's, it's really a toss up, I guess. All right. This next question is from at combative views, unsolicited fight picks. Uh, love this guy as well. Always a good follow. Um and i and uh you know, one of the one of the people that uh you know, those of us who don't have a podcast who's willing to put their picks out there um week by week and uh that's commendable. And he uh he has good picks by the way as well. He says, Which current champions do you see having the longest reign and which the shortest reign? And this is I feel like such an interesting question because like my my when I said the longest reign, like my mind went to Habib. Then but then I thought Well, we also have been talking about how he only wants to do a couple more fights and retire, so that's not really a long reign, is it? Um, Then my mind went to John Jones, uh, and I kind of feel like that could be it. But uh, there is an X factor there of if he decides to go to heavyweight, what could happen? But we also, I feel like we don't know... How how many years John has left. Because of the layoffs he had to take from suspensions. So. I kind of don't know what to say about John Jones. So my my answer. Was probably. Um, Valentina Shevchenko. I feel like she's going to be the longest reigning champion at the moment. As far as shortest reign. I want to say kamaro He is so close to getting stripped. For for not being able to come to terms with the UFC, I mean that could happen by the end of this year, and if he gets stripped, I want credit for that. I'm not calling for it, but I'm not not predicting it either. If you know what I mean. Uh, also, I feel like short list for that answer was like I almost said um, Zhang Wei because I feel like you know Tatiana Suarez could could maybe give her some problems. Uh, you know. Uh, Joanna violence could maybe give her some problems Or not problems but you know could have success So And both of those are like one win away Or, or one you know healthy camp away From, from fighting Jang So so she's kind of on that list But if not I feel like it's Kar- Kamaru Sorry Uncle Yagi I know he's your favorite By the way I don't even know if That guy listens to the podcast but you know I always want to be just in case All right, this last question uh, is from my uh, my Mexican counterpart. This is from at juice underscore MMA. Shout out Hugo. Uh, I love this guy. Uh, he does a great podcast with uh, Reen. I think her handle is like I Fox with you or something because it's called the their podcast is called the I Fox with Juice podcast. And I remember like. I saw his name pop up, and I saw him um, interacting with Ashley one day, and I was like, I should check out his podcast, but I I put on the back burner for some reason. And then one day, I, I kept seeing it come up. I was like, dude, I gotta I gotta fucking check this guy out. So I list, I started listening to his podcast, and now it's it's on my roster of like regular MMA podcasts I listen to. And I remember D-gaming him like, dude, I'm I'm listening to your podcast right now. It's good stuff. You should check mine out. Um, you know, if you have the time. And he was like, actually, I'm listening to yours right now. Uh, for the first time so it was weird that we Not only were both fucking named Juice We're both actually from California As well and we're fucking We're both listening to our show's podcast at the same time That to me is just crazy so uh, Anyways he's a great follow He um, does uh, do some Writing as well uh, which you guys should Check out And uh, his question is true or false Michelle Pajeda is overrated But Tristan Connolly is also Good yeah dude See, I kind of feel like if you say Michelle Pajeda is overrated, it's a little bit taking away uh, from what Tristan Connolly did. Like, Tristan Connolly came in there like he didn't get the fucking memo. He came in there like he wasn't about to succumb to any fucking flipping shit. And I was I was blown away by that guy. And you can't be blown away by a performance when if you're going to call the other guy overrated. So, yeah, thank you for for asking that question. I'm gonna say false. I mean, if if Michelle Pereira keeps going on this road and and people just fucking figure him out and he doesn't he doesn't start to like scale it back and work on his gas tank, work on his cardio issues, he probably is gonna get call, call overrated. But I'm not ready to put that on him right now. Like I I really think. If you don't give him the credit he deserves for make, giving us those exciting fights, you don't give Tristan the proper respect of doing what he did, which was nothing short of incredible. Bro, great note to end the forum, dude. I love it. All right, this is a, this has been one of the better forums, in my opinion. There were some solid questions. And uh, thank you guys, as always. You can send those into. to... Um, Uh, uh, Anchor if you want to send a voice message just uh, download the Anchor app search Fighting With Myself or I tweet out the link every fucking week it's anchor.fm slash fightingwithmyself slash message pretty easy Uh, or uh, if it's too long or if you can't figure out the app situation you can record it on your own and email it to me to pod at gmail.com uh, Sweeptoe does it every week And it's awesome Or uh, I think mana Mayhem has done this before You can fucking just record it yourself And DM me on Twitter That's it dude There's so many options uh, For getting those voice questions in uh, But I, I do prefer the first two I mentioned Which is Anchor or the email uh, But we can talk about that Otherwise Let's not waste any more time on me babbling And let's get right the fuck in To the preview Of UFC Mexico City All right, UFC Mexico City is going down next Saturday, September 21st. So excited for these fights. It's not the deepest card, but dude, for some reason, every time the UFC goes to Mexico, particularly Mexico City, they always bring it. Like something about the energy from the fans, I feel like just pumps the fighters up especially they bring a lot of hometown uh fighters you know from Mexico or from from Latin America in general and they're just so happy to be fighting in front of their people that I feel like it brings the most amazing performances and not only that like the biggest talking point around that uh environment is always like the elevation and how it affects people's like cardio and so like the last couple times they've gone there it feels like the fighters like rather than go you know spending like an entire month in mexico to acclimate they've just been fucking like trying to finish early so like one the one card like i feel like two cards ago in mexico city there was like 90 percent finishes or something like that it was it was crazy so i feel like we could see that you know some of these matchups are definitely favoring that and i'm here for it dude so don't call it mexico shitty just yet pam pump the brakes but yeah, if you, if you want to call this a, a shallow card, I, I got no problem with that. It's, it's, it's not the strongest. But there are a couple prelims I wanted to highlight, which will be kind of fun. Um, not necessarily going to give my picks. Well, yeah, fuck it. I'll give some picks on these. Because um, it's really um, fights that I'm interested in because of one fighter. So obviously, you know, I pick with my heart and my dick. Um, that's just a little uh, inside joke. But um one fight that came to my attention was uh, Claudio Puyas versus Marcos Rosa Mariano, and it's really uh, really comes down to like Claudio Puyas. I saw this guy get beat within an inch of his life by Eric Silva, and then Osiris Maya. The referee, for some reason, was not stopping the fight, and I was like, oh my god. Are you waiting for him to die? What the fuck is wrong with you? And then, dude, Claudio Puyas locked up a knee bar and just fucking cranked that son of a bitch and almost took Eric Silva's leg home with him. He tapped. The shit was over. We all went nuts. And I will never question Osiris Maya again. Unless it becomes like a Yamasaki type, let's be real. But, dude... If you can survive that kind of fucking beating and, and show that you really can never be counted out in a fight, it's going to be hard for me to pick against you. So, uh, I'm or, or just not be excited, you know, for your fight. Like, I'm pumped for his fight for that reason. The, the Claudio Puea's fight. And uh, Sejara Eubanks versus Bech is another one that came across my eye. Now, I only know one person who's a Bech fan. That is Pat Shaheen. And I'm not entirely sure that's unironic, uh, but I like Sajara in that fight actually. <laughs> Sorry, Pat. Uh, I think Sajara moving up to bantamweight has been good for her. Um, she fucking missed weight too many times at flyweight. It's such a fucking problem. And uh, I think she can get it done nicely. But I think either way, the way that the the ladies f- fight. I think it's going to be a a good matchup by the way. I th- I think we're going to see a, a good fight out of them. And uh another the last prelim fight I want to highlight is um Marco Polo Reyes versus uh, Kyle Nelson and uh you know, long-time listeners of this podcast will know that uh, I always get excited for Marco Polo Reyes fights because of his fight with Dong Young Kim at uh fucking UFC 199. Those guys put on a fucking war. I loved it. I loved every bit of it. Um, and uh, Marco Polares came out on top that night. He did get starched by James Vick. I mean, starched by James Vick. I mean, starched by James Vick of all people. But uh, I love him. I, I don't give a fuck. Uh, <laughs> how many times can I say starched by James Vick? But uh, I like I like this fight for for Marco Polareos. Um uh, he's going to be fighting you know, f- you know, in front of his people. I think it's going to be amazing. Can't, can't wait. And I, I think he still trains in alliance with Dominic Cruz. Uh, anyone who trains out of that camp, you got my fucking vote. Alright, getting into the main card. Open up, we got Steven Peterson versus Martin Bravo. Now, this fight is almost a coin toss for me. And, uh, both of them lost to Alex Caseras. If you lost to Alex Caseras, I'm not saying you're terrible, but I am saying you still have more to prove to me. And, uh, Steven Peterson to me looked slightly better and, um, I liked how he looked in his fight with uh, Luis Peña, even though he lost that fight as well. Um so for that reason I'm going with Steven Peterson. Uh I just I just like him in this fight. But um again, it's it's a coin toss, so I'm not super confident in that one. And next we got um Irene Aldana taking on Vanessa Mello. Now this was supposed to be, I believe, Irene Aldana versus Marion Renault, and I would have taken Marion in that fight. However, um, being that um, Vanessa Melo is a replacement, and uh, Irene Aldana has actually looked really good in her recent fights, uh, I, I'm taking Irene. And I, the first time she came on my radar was her fight with Leslie Smith. And um they put on a fucking hell of a fight. And then Irene's last fight, I want to say, it was against Beth hey or some or someone, she she beat the brakes off that girl. And uh Irene has just been looking sensational. So hard to pick against her. Um I think, especially um, you know, in front of a hometown crowd. I think she trained to Alexa Grasso, who's also on this card, and I think um she's gonna be pumped, she's gonna be motivated. Um uh, not to say that the other girl is not going to be motivated as well, you know, make her UFC debut, um I believe. But uh I like I like Irene for sure. So, we're going to go with Irene Aldana. Uh next up is Brandon Moreno versus Askar Askarov and um Askarov is uh making his UFC debut, I believe. And um Brandon Moreno was cut from the UFC and then re-signed, but it was it wasn't necessarily because he had a bad performance or like a losing streak. It was really like they were trying to slowly weed out the flyweights. And then when Henry Cejudo, quote unquote, saved the flyweights, they were like, "Well, should we gotta bring Brandon Moreno back? Because we never should have let him go in the first place. We're fucking stupid." Um, and uh, Brandon Moreno is someone I I really love to watch fight, and I hate to pick against him, but I'm going to. Uh, I've been I've been watching some highlights of Askarov. He's a beast. And um, you know. Fuck. Now I'm like starting to second guess it because I I feel like Brandon Moreno is gonna be acclimated, and that's gonna be a huge factor, you know, being that he's already in that area. Fuck. No. Nope. Can't turn can't uh can't go back. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Askar. Um you know, especially like he's—I feel like he's—he's he's Dagestani, and they know when you come into someone else's territory, you gotta fucking put them out of there. Like you can't let it go to the judges. So I feel like he's gonna come in super motivated. Either way, I think it's gonna be a um, awesome fight. And your coming event is Carla Esparza versus Alexa Grasso. And I—I I, I went back and forth on this a while. Like Alexa Grasso was uh, was someone that the UFC was really high on, and they kind of I don't want to say rushed her, but uh, they rushed her. Um, I saw like the the way she dealt with um, Felice Herrig, or let's say the way Felice Herrick dealt with her, makes me feel like Carla Spar like any sort of wrestling that Felice implemented in that fight, Carla's gonna do a lot better. I mean that's her bread and butter. And I feel like Carla Esparza doesn't get the respect she deserves. Um, Yes, she was the inaugural champ because of tough. um, And and anytime there's, you know, a champ that's that way, you know, there's a little bit of an asterisk on it. But I think Carla's skill set is got the kind of skill set that could give Alexa Grasso problems. I mean, Alexa Grasso is a hell of a striker. And sometimes Carla likes to think she's a striker, But I think for the most part, she does um, implement her takedowns um, early. And um, I think that's going to be the game changer in this. So I got Carla Esparza in that one. I'm moving on to the main event of the evening. I'm coming for your job, Buffer. You better watch your fucking back. Just kidding. I love Bruce Buffer. Um, Actually, that reminds me. There's a good chance we're getting fucking Joe Martinez... Senores y senoras Bienvenidos a UFC Mexico That's where we're get ready for that. Jiu Jitsu <laughs> I actually like Joe Martinez. I think the I think the hate is uh, unnecessary. But uh I know Buddy hates him, Buddy from the MMA Marks. He always tell me that he fucking hates that uh, voice. But uh Jeremy Stevens taking on Yair Rodriguez, man. Uh, I'm I'm pretty excited for this fight It's not the best main event But it's a definitely a fight night worthy main event uh, You know Yair Rodriguez it, Like I sort of didn't really get high on him Until The Feely fight But when he hit him with that fucking ninja kick It was like some sort of jumping Switch kick or whatever And just fucking Shut Feely's lights out I was like, oh, this kid's someone to watch. And then he had that fight with Bruce Leroy. Which was just, they were just fucking pirouetting around the whole time. And then he got smashed by Frankie. I mean, you want to see Frankie almost kill a dude? Watch the Yair Rodriguez fight. But I feel like he took that loss very well. And of course, before, before that, he fucking... He almost killed fucking BJ Penn. Oh my god, that was a fucking terrible fight. Oh my god. What was BJ thinking taking that fight? What was he thinking taking any fight, to be honest with you? Oh my god. But, um... Back to my point. I feel like he's, he's rebounded. Um, you know, the fight with Zombie was everything... Uh you want it to be in that kind of a fight. However, and I was thinking about this, if it would have gone to the judges, and we were one second away from it of going to the judges in that fight, it would have gone to Korean zombie. The reason I think I think that the pressure of Korean zombie was giving Yair a little bit of problems. And that's kind of the story of his career in general. Is um, you know, not the story of his career, but the story of his losses rather is like, you know, crowding him. You know, in Frankie's case, it was the takedowns, but you know, the way to beat Ridayer is to really just fucking smother him. And uh we were we were basically seeing that happen. We we're close to seeing a loss. Um and uh, Jeremy Stevens, that's that's him all day. He fucking just pushes forward. He gets in your face. He makes it ugly. You know, he is not about that fucking spinning shit. He shut that shit down when it came to the Zabit fight. And I feel like Yair is really a poor man's Zabit. So if Jeremy Stevens can almost beat Zabit, I feel like he can beat Yair Rodriguez. Um, and uh, Jeremy Stevens has been doing a lot of like mental coach. Uh, Stuff lately he's doing this like program That's like like, leadership and you know mindset Uh, It's really interesting stuff I I like hearing him talk about it And uh, you know The way he was sounding Before the Zabit fight Was just like He sounded like so fucking motivated And uh, he was very like Open about you know Being depressed and, and Potentially even suicidal after the Aldo loss I mean the thing like that like when you overcome stuff like that it, it it just works in your favor i feel like like i hate to sound like corny but like that that doesn't kill you makes you stronger like when you can push through that kind of adversity when you can go back to training even though when you feel like your career should be done you are motivated and a motivated jeremy stevens is a scary jeremy stevens and he can put anyone's lights out at 145, you know. So, for that reason, I'm taking Jeremy Stevens. Um, it's not one of those, like, I got a weird feeling or, like, unpopular opinion, Jeremy Stevens, BJ Rodriguez. That's just my feeling, dude. It's just my assessment of the matchup and what I feel. Um, I don't care if it's controversial. I don't know if a lot of people are picking Yair or not. Um, I feel like they are, but I could be wrong. But that, I'm not trying to be a contrarian or a fucking hipster. Um, I'm just being honest when I say uh, I think Jeremy Stevens is gonna win. So to recap, uh, I've got Steven Peterson beating Martin Bravo, I've got Irene Aldana beating Vanessa Melo, I've got Askar Askaroff beating Brandon Moreno, I've got Carla Esparsa beating Alexa Grosso. and I got Jeremy Stevens. Beating Yair Rodriguez. Dude, I can't wait for these fights. Um I can't wait to um interact with you guys on Twitter more. It's it's really gets me through the day. Um I can't stress that enough. We've we've really built a community here, not only with this podcast, but with uh with MMA Twitter. Um and I've been I've been getting some some feedback from other podcasters. Uh, it's awesome to to talk about our work, share our work and and really grow our respective audiences you know, through collaboration. It's something that we need more. You know, Shout out to the, the Combat Sports 101 podcast. Just start listening to them. And uh, they're all about that as well. So I think that's great. And uh, let, let's get it going, man. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Same handle as at FWM underscore pod. Um, I always say this. I'm, I feel like I'm not really active on Instagram. But that's also because... People aren't really active with me on Instagram. Um, If more of you fucks would follow me and uh, start commenting on my shit, you uh, would see more fucking content on Instagram. So how about that? Other than that, dude, we're going to shut this thing down. This has been a great episode. Thank you guys for continuing to follow me week by week. And good night and good fights.